0: Hello, and welcome to the Harvard Kennedy School Policycast. I'm your host, Matt Cadwalader, and today we'll be discussing Israel's new government, its views toward the Palestinian peace process, and its approach to negotiations over Iran's nuclear program. We're joined by former Israeli Minister of Intelligence and Atomic Energy, Dan Meridor, who's here as the Kennedy School's Lamont Lecturer, sponsored by the Belfer Center for Science and International Affairs. Dan, thanks for joining us today. Good to be here. So just to give our listeners a bit of background, you've been in and out of Israeli government for, well, since the early 1980s. You've served as Minister of Justice, Minister of Finance. Up until March of this year, you were Deputy Prime Minister and, as I said before, Minister of Intelligence and Atomic Energy. Um, You've developed a reputation as a somewhat moderate conservative within the Likud Party, or at least you were. Um, Lost that post earlier this year, of course. Um, it seems like there's a theme that, um, there's been a rightward shift within the Likud party, and maybe that's emblematic of Israel as a whole. Is that something that you see is happening?
1: In the Likud, there definitely was a shift, unfortunately, a negative historic shift, uh, in my view. The Likud for years was a party that tried to balance the national interest with the uh, private interests, human rights, uh, rule of law, uh, civil society. It was about the person and the nation, not one at the expense of the other, but the balance between them. And I am known in Israel to be one of those who very much care about the rule of law and about civil society and human rights. Uh, The other thing has to do with the uh, peace uh, process. I thought we should... uh, go ahead and try to resolve the israeli palestinian issue, including some uh, compromises we have to make. These two things, the rule of law and the peace uh, policy, uh, were not uh, very popular with many Likud voters, and they thought rightly that if they change their view and they go more to the right, even to the extreme right, I cannot represent them. I personally am fine. I'm now at Harvard. I love it. It's great. Uh, uh, But uh, in Israeli politics, there has been a change because of this, at least in the Likud.
0: Now, do you think that uh, that change, and of course, Likud, although you lost your post, Likud is still, uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu is still leading a coalition government there. Um, do you think that that shift is primarily because of the pre- peace process, or are there other factors
1: involved? Uh, it is not just a peace process. I believe that a, a nation at war or a nation in a conflict Naturally, it would go for the national things and the private things may be overlooked. So you need to fight for it if you want to balance it. And my idea and the way I was brought up in a way politically was to fight for this balance and, and give uh, the due importance to the rule of law and uh, minority rights and human rights, not at the expense of national interest, but uh, maybe the uh, prolonged process uh, that does not come to an end with the Palestinians. They... Uh, the threat of Iran, the feeling that we are under uh, threat, may have shifted the public opinion in, in that sense. I would have to add that the attempts to get peace by other prime ministers very much on the Dovish side did not succeed. And this led to some frustration from peace as well. Uh, but I think that uh, there is, uh, no in America you saw Tea Party uh, phenomenon. Mm. Why is this? in the Likud there might have been something not exactly the same but somewhat similar in the Likud going to the extreme right rather than to rather than to be moderate i I never called myself right i mean right versus wrong not right versus left (laughs) Uh, the Likud was not to me a right wing party it was a very centrist party Mm -hmm. very liberal in the in the human rights and rule of law things and and quite. Uh, Tough on security issues. This balance, I'm afraid, is now uh, changed and I don't like it. I'm not sure the Israeli public went this way. There are new parties, small parties, uh, no big parties, and many parties were not very clear about this. So it's not clear that the Israeli party moved in that direction, that it could did.
0: Now, do you think this right word shift uh, makes the idea of a potential uh, uh, agreement of some kind, peace agreement, uh, even less likely, even though uh, you know, we, we now have the United States Secretary of State John Kerry focusing pretty heavily on the issue?
1: Well, I, I think that it is our interest to change uh, what we have. It entails risks, but continuing what we have is dangerous in the long run. Uh, it needs to be changed. It can't be perpetuated. And uh, I'm not sure that uh, Secretary Kerry will be able to get us to the final point of ending the conflict, not because we didn't want. One has to remember that other prime ministers uh, who went all the way uh, dovish away did not succeed as well. So it may not be only our fault. Uh, The Palestinians uh, have Hamas and PLO fighting who is the leader. So it's not easy from their side. Uh, I think the Israeli public in every poll will indicate that they in 70% and more are for the two-state solution. And I think if there were a leader who would say this and bring it, he'll get the majority for this. It's true that within the Likud is different, but the Likud is only 20 members out of 120 in the Knesset. So the, the public is much broader than that. The problem will will arise if there is no final agreement because of lack of understanding with the other side. Should we stay the course or should we change things with partial agreements or unilaterally? I am for doing that. This is another uh, debatable issue in the Israeli society.
0: Now, there seems to be a uh, demographically driven reason that Israel would want to find an agreement, a two-state solution. That seems to put Israel's back against a wall in in some ways and that it really wants a peace agreement what what drives uh, the palestinians to want to work out a deal well, in that
1: I, let me let me comment on the on what you said in sure. israel there's no problem israel has uh, 80% jews 20% arabs this is more or less steady for many many years it's not growing it's about the same percentage all the time and we can live with that fine it's uh, they are a minority with fully equal rights with the, they participate in Knesset election like i am We may have to do more here on on affirmative action, but I think it's a good example. No other minority in the Middle East uh, enjoys that equality as Arabs in Israel. I don't think we have a basic problem there. In the territories, in Judea and Samaria, West Bank, there are about two or more million Arabs who are not part of Israel, and they cannot stay like this without being a member of any state, citizen of any state, so this needs to be resolved. In the long run, it's not good for us. Of course, in the long run, we can decide on making one state, but then it will be 50, 60% Jews and 40, 50% Arabs. Will this work? I'm afraid not. It's a binational state. It's not our dream. The, the fear and hatred between the communities develops in a way that I don't think it's a good solution. So staying the course is not good for us. That's why I think we need to move. Why the Palestinians need to move? I think because they are in a position that I think is is bad for them. People need to be independent. People need to be part uh, of a state. There may be a minority in a state. like Minorities live in many parts of the world, but they need to be in a state, and they are in an unclear situation. It's not Jordan anymore. It's not Israel. Its authority does not have its full sovereignty. This needs to be c- clarified, and they will have, in order to reach uh, uh, this change, they'll have to have the leadership to make the decisions that are tough. They will never get 100% of what they wanted, as we will. The need to make the compromise calls for uh, courageous decision-making and leadership level. Do they have it? A good question.
0: So I want to switch gears to the negotiations with Iran. President Obama has been pursuing these negotiations, and uh, it seems as though Prime Minister Netanyahu has uh, been against them in some way. He's been launching a PR campaign describing Iran as deceitful and untrustworthy. Is he actually against them, or is there an alternative that Israel would like to seek?
1: Well, you know, I'm not a spokesman of the government now. I'm a private citizen. I can't speak for him. I don't think he said he's against the talks. I personally am very much for the talks. But this does not make me naive. The Iranians have changed the tune, the music, the words of their policy, even the leadership. Why? Not because they uh, began to love America, but because they uh, they were under heavy pressure, orchestrated by President Obama, America, and uh, most Arab states, if not all of them, and Israel, a huge coalition that wanted Iran to stop the nuclear process, to stop Iran from becoming a nuclear a military power. And I think the sanctions did have a good effect. I think we see here a success story in phase one of the of the battle. I think Iran had to change. Now talks start. It's good. This does not mean we finish the battle. The second battle or the second part of the war, uh, metaphorically a war, hopefully, is to lift all the sanctions as they wish because they can't live with these sanctions in return for stopping the nuclear military process and going back, rolling it back to a situation where they are far enough from the ability to jump into a bomb, and that we, all of us, the world, has enough verification and monitoring uh, capabilities to know that if they cheat, if they try to hide as they did in the past, we will know in time. These are the two things. Rolling them back, they will be several years back from a bomb, and that we will know that they don't cheat in the future because they have done it in the past. It's not an Israeli interest solely. Of course, it is our interest. They say we should not exist. It's quite uh, interesting. I would say, but all the Arab countries, some of them say, if they have weapons, Iran, we will have nuclear weapons. It's dangerous. Mm-hmm. So they need to be stopped. And I think the sanctions have worked. We need to have the uh, cap- capability to, to carry a big stick and s- speak softly, as President Roosevelt once advised. Mm-hmm. Continue to smile to them. If they talk nice, talk nice to them. But don't miss the target. They need to stop the project, to roll back what they have done, and be as far as possible from a nuclear weapons. And then this is exactly what we need to do now the talks are the means. and uh, We need to be focused on the target, America leading. This can be achieved, I believe, with steadfast leadership and persistence uh, with this goal and this method.
0: How long do you think Ayatollah Khamenei will give Iranian President Rouhani to negotiate in good faith before reverting to their prior antagonism.
1: I, 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 I have not been previous, you may understand, in the talk between Rouhani <laughs> and Khamenei when he gave him instruction. Even if we have good intelligence, we don't know. I don't know exactly mm-hmm. what was done. But I, let me assume the following. In this meeting, I think uh, Khamenei told Rouhani do everything you can to lift the sanctions because they strangle us. We cannot continue. But do it without giving up a nuclear project. Now you have the latitude. Try to smile, try to talk nicely, offer all sorts of things, but don't forget, we need the project on, we need to have our hands on it and see that we are not losing it, but lift the sanctions. I think this is the logical uh, instruction he would have because they want a nuclear weapon and they don't mm-hmm. want to, to give it up. I think they want the sanctions lifted and we, the world, wants the nuclear project stopped. This is a quid pro quo. They need to know that we will not give them a partial deal because if we lift the sanctions, if we if we loosen the, the, the grip, it may all collapse because many countries joined in, Europeans, Arabs, and they pay a lot of uh, heavy price for this because mm. it costs them. They need to keep it, and because we are succeeding, keep it in place and smile and talk nicely and say, all right, you want the sanctions lifted, we'll lift them, we'll give you all sorts of carrots, not just six mm. Cooperation, provided that you stop the race towards a nuclear bomb. And there are certain technical things you need to do. Roll back what you've done on enrichment, don't enrich more than this and that, and have uh, uh, the nuclear uh, plutogenic uh, uh, nuclear reactor in Iraq should should be dealt with. There are certain things that need to be done calmly and, and uh, with, with, with uh, enough certainty. Say to them with a big smile, but don't forget, this is what needs to be done. President Obama has taken upon himself openly to not to allow Iran to become nuclear. I am sure he will not be uh, happy to be remembered in history as one whom, whom the Iranian cheated. So he wants to have a deal, I'm for a deal, but a deal needs to be that, not just a trick that they will play. It's still ahead of us, and I think we are on a succeeding uh, course, and we need to continue with that.
0: You mentioned before military nuclear uses. Is there uh, space for Iran to have a civilian nuclear power uh, capability, or uh, you know, literally electricity
1: generation? Well, first of all, uh, President Obama already said openly in his speech that they can have it, mm-hmm. in a way. So even if I liked it or not liked it, it became irrelevant once the American president said it. So this they have, but they have it. They, I, sh- I think the line should be, and the, and the criterion should be everything that does not lead to nuclear military capability, or is needed for rationally and reasonably for civilian use, may be a subject of negotiations. But everything that has only one major target, to be able to have enough fissile material and enough technology to build up a nuclear bomb and weaponize uh, the, the material, this should be totally forbidden. And I think the professional people, uh, can do the job telling all of us. I think I know some of it. I'm in that for many years. What they need to do there. And one needs to be tough and smiling at the same time, but tough. Don't give up.
0: The verific- do you think the verification uh, process is sufficient to determine whether they are well, uh, not crossing say, that line?
1: I think without boasting and being uh, too uh, sure of myself, I think we, the international intelligence community, American, Israelis, and others, know a lot about Iran. I think the Atomic uh, International Energy Agency of Vienna knows uh, a lot with their, uh, with their uh, people on the place. Is that enough? Never. You'll never know everything, especially as you have a very talented nation like Iran, very, very keen on getting this project and uh, making it a national uh, story for them. So they will try, as they've tried in the past, to find ways to to circumvent, to go around. So we need to be uh, not... We are not that weak. They are not that strong. We are not that stupid. They are not that smart. I think we can do our job. And because they are under pressure, I think the pressure should continue until they agree to the monitoring and verification system that we think... Not only we, Israel. We are only a part of the game. The Saudis, the Egyptians, the Turks, uh, other Arab countries, and the West think that iran is really uh, under under close scrutiny and away from a bomb if we reach that it will be a great deal and a great success for the american foreign policy and president obama personally if that is the issue maybe an issue for some people and i'm all for it if uh, we will wink before time and we'll say no no we need a deal we can't do anything else we lose and it's, it's bad because the world will change the nuclear race may start and the power of america may be seen as is as not only insufficient but not not relevant in many countries arab countries who built their safety and security on relationship with the united states for decades we see that america is not standing with them against iran so a lot is at stake here and i think the american policy can lead there if we do it with, with the steadfastness and, and persistence and leadership that is needed here
0: well dan meridor thank you so much for being on policycast today thank you very much it was good to be here You've been listening to HKS PolicyCast, a production of Harvard Kennedy School. Hear more interviews at hks.harvard.edu policycast. And join the conversation on Twitter at hashtag policycast.